This is where great ideas about the financial world come together. Welcome to the Financial Forum Podcast with the president of Fortune Financial Group, Chris Galise. All right, Chris, so you've done a good job saving. You've done a good job investing over the years. You've lived on less than you've earned. You kept yourself out of debt. Your investments have done pretty good. I mean, that means, you know, everything's pretty simple in retirement, right? Uh, we wish it was that easy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily, right? So uh, I want to talk, I want to go a little a little different this week for this section and talk about problems faced by those folks who have done a good job uh, saving. And I know people might be like, oh man, even if I do a good job, there's still some negative. And I mean, it doesn't have to be negative, but we just want to shine a light on some areas that even if you're a good, diligent saver, just be aware of a couple of things here. So I got a few for you. Uh, and we've talked about this before. It might, it might have been a while, but it's just too much in cash. A lot of times people will... Maybe that's a dollar amount that you see in a savings account, or maybe it's just something that just gives you the warm fuzzies in a certain number, and you just feel better having that. But is it the best use of your cash? Is it too much? Right, and there, there certainly is the uh, the idea that you could have too much in cash these days. And when I say these days, I'm really talking about probably the last 10 years or so. Right. Uh, and this just uh, abnormally low interest rate environment that we've been in. Uh, I deal mostly with folks that are retired or who are about to retire. So a lot of the people I deal with are late 50s and older. Uh, so these people you know, still vividly remember uh, back in the late 70s or the early 80s when uh, interest rates on savings accounts and CDs were routinely double-digit numbers. And it seems like they're, they're waiting for those rates to come back again. And my message always is they're not coming back. You know, that was not just a, uh, you know, once in a generation event. That was really a once in a hundred year event uh, because at no time in our history besides that uh, period did we see savings rates being uh, so high where yeah. it would be 10, 12, 15%. But folks are still holding out hope that that's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> and it's simply not. You know, so what you are, you know, the rule of thumb should be is you should take a look at you know, how much you reasonably need to spend each year. And whatever that number is, let's say it's $50,000, that's approximately what you should shoot for for your emergency money, your bank money, whether it's CDs or checking accounts or money markets, things like that. You know, about a year's worth of, uh, of living expenses is what you should keep liquid and available. The rest, you should look at getting more bang for your dollar because if you're not, well, if you have too much money in low interest rate holdings, you're not even going to keep up with inflation. Because when you look at inflation, the average long-term rate of inflation over the last 100 years is somewhere between 2 and 3%. And if you have too much money sitting at, let's say, a 1% account, well, your purchasing power is going backwards every year. Uh, so there's a reason why professionals like myself talk about not having too much in cash. Uh, and that's because you do want to keep up with inflation each and every year. You know, you made a, you mentioned that a couple of times on the show about, you know, rates being higher back in the eighties and whatnot. And I was just sitting here thinking when you were talking, I was like, I wonder what they would, you would think if you were looking at the choice of, you know, 10 or 11% in, 
CDs and so on and so forth, or the market being at, you know, 27,000 plus or whatever. Cause in the eighties it was like 5,000, you know, the Dow right. was at like five, you know? So it's always kind of interesting to kind of, you know, play that little game in your mind as a, well, which one would have been, would be better, you know, which would have been, you know, who knows. Right. So your chances I know are, I would take, I would take the guaranteed 10% uh, any day of the week. Well, that's true. Now, depending on the time of your life you're in though, right, Chris, I mean, if you're younger, you know, maybe having that risk in the market's a little going to be, you know, more beneficial for you. It just depends, right? It, 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 absolutely. There's no one size fits all for everybody. Which is why we do this show. Because <laughs> there's so much to cover. All right. So first message to good savers there. Just don't, you know, don't get too in love with cash. I know we all love it and we all want to have, you know, some on hand. And as Chris pointed out, some good rules of thumb there, some guidelines. Uh, just, you know, don't don't go backwards, you know, uh, with cash because you're, you're basically losing to inflation. Okay. Too much risk. Another message for good savers. Uh, how can we be a leery of too much risk here? And and this is for the folks that not necessarily have uh, too much money sitting in the bank, right? That's one definition of a of a good saver. Okay. Another definition of a good saver is someone who is just very diligent, very you know cognizant of saving as much money for retirement. Been pumping that fact, pumping that four hundred one k bag. Yeah, you know, just, just a few minutes ago, where uh, the gentleman was talking about how they had you know money in their 401k that was maxed out. They made too much money for Roth contribution, so they wanted to continue to put money elsewhere. You know, That's a person who is a diligent saver, but instead of saving in the bank all the time, they're saving in other places like their 401k. Now, where this gets risky is that you may not even notice if the market you know, takes a sudden turn against you, you may not notice it because you're continuing to add maybe 20 or 30 or, or $40,000 a year. And you might be looking at your bottom line each year and you're saying, okay, well, uh, you know, I didn't make as much as the year before, but I still made a little bit. Well, you're not really thinking that that little bit that you made was actually your own money going in and the money that was in there has actually gone down a little bit. So you do want to pay attention to how much risk you're taking, uh, especially in relation to how close you are to retirement, right? If you are 25 or 30, well, you probably could afford to take a lot more risk as compared to someone that might already be retired or maybe is only a few years away from retirement. Uh, so you always want to have a, a checkup on your, your risk every couple of years to make sure it's in line with what your goals are. Yeah. And so to kind of stay with that theme, Chris, if we're talking about this message to good savers and like the gentleman with the email, you're pumping away into the 401k or, and so on and so forth. And that's great. And you've been really diligent, but now you've also created this big old tax time bomb. And that's number three on our list. Right, right. This this is something I talk a lot about to folks when they come in to see me who have a lot of money in tax deferred accounts. Uh, when I talk about tax deferred accounts specifically, we're talking about company retirement plans such as 401ks or 403bs or tax sheltered annuities, things like that, or even traditional IRAs. Right. These are all under the uh, the heading of tax deferred accounts. So as these accounts grow every year, you're not paying tax on the growth, but you have to understand and realize that eventually when you pull money out of these accounts, you will pay tax on every dollar that's withdrawn. Uh, 
and it can be significant. Uh, I'd like to run analysis for folks that shows them what the potential is of their uh, of their taxes on the withdrawals on the accounts over their retirement lifetime. And there are some situations, Mark, where we're projecting potentially that they're paying maybe half of the account value over their lifetime in taxes. So just for example, let's say someone has an $800,000 tax deferred account and depending on what their tax bracket is, as they're taking withdrawals, uh, especially starting at 70 and a half when the government says they must take those withdrawals, and let's say that they live until age 90, well, on that $800,000 account, they potentially could pay $400,000 in taxes. And it's, Ooh, yeah. it's shocking to people. I can you know, literally see the change in expression on their face <laughs> as, they, as I show them those projections. Uh, and it's something that they never thought about. So I'm not saying it's wrong or it's bad or anything like that to put money tax deferred accounts. But if you're doing that, just please be aware that you know there will be some tax consequences down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked a lot about RMDs and all those kinds of things. So, and I think probably for Chris, that's one of the reasons why the tax time bomb, tax time bomb conversation, excuse me, uh, has led people to over the last couple of years asking more and more about Roth conversions and all the things that kind of possibly go into that. And if it's right for you and, you know, because mm-hmm. people are being a little bit more cognizant of uh, hopefully not getting hit with too big of a tax time bomb down right, the way. Right, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so final message here for good savers uh, to just be aware of. You've done Again, you've done a great job with all the pieces of the puzzle. Uh, and just remember to live a little, um, you know, so that's the whole point that you've been doing this. And I think the idea here, Chris, comes into if you spend 30 years of good habits and in, in all these things to grow your retirement nest egg, you get there and sometimes I, I know I do this. I play a game with myself sometimes with a certain savings account. I kind of mentioned that earlier with the cash where it's kind of like, I want to see, Oh, can I push it a little higher? Oh, can I push it a little higher? <laughs> yeah. I want to get to a hundred. I want to yeah, get to this number. Like, it's like you play the number is. Yeah. It's like you play a game with yourself. I do the same thing when using OnStar when driving in the truck, you know, or, you know, when you do like a location and it tells you the estimated arrival time, uh, I try to see how much time I can shave off from the time it tells me when I leave <laughs> to when I get there. So I play this little game with myself and I'll think, a lot of us do that and what happens is you forget the purpose is to live a little and enjoy the money that you saved right and i see this so often mark where you know people coming to see me and they have done a fantastic job of of growing their nest egg and they've put themselves in a situation where they truly can enjoy their golden years but they're still just hyper focused on uh, the bottom line, on you know how much that account value is, and there's no way they could ever spend that money over multiple lifetimes. But they're still in that habit of saving, saving, saving. I tell this to people all the time. Sometimes one of my jobs is to to give you permission to spend money because that's why you've worked hard over all these years and saved so diligently over these years is that you could eventually get to the point where you could relax and exhale a little bit and enjoy the fruits of your labor. And that's where having a written income plan comes into play because it's one thing to kind of conceptualize, oh, I have enough money to live on, but it's another thing to actually have it in black and white in front of you 
to show you that no matter you know how long you live, uh, that there's a high, high, high unlikelihood that you're never going to run out of money. You've been listening to the Financial Forum Podcast. Again, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to Chris Scalise, 800-993-1526. That's 800-993-1526. You can also get in touch online by going to fortune-financial.org. That's fortune-financial.org. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Just search for the Financial Forum Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC, AEWM. AEWM and Fortune Financial Group are not affiliated companies. Fortune Financial Group is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to safety, security, or guaranteed lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investment products. Insurance and annuity product guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Fortune Financial Group is is not permitted to offer and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. You should talk to a qualified professional before making any decisions about your personal situation. We are not affiliated with the U.S. government or any government agency.